Hi, this is June. And this is Riley. And welcome to Take No Script. This week we watched Pan's Labyrinth. It is described as a dark fable set five years after the end of the Spanish Civil War, where we follow 11-year-old Ophelia and her dark adventures. This is one that I know that I want to talk to you about. The, the theme of human rebellion and resilience. Because I feel like you are such a rebel at heart kind of a person. Right? I mean, you are. Aw. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I've been told that before, but I don't know what it is that people, like, what makes people think that. Because I'm also not out here, like, burning down buildings. <laughs> you aren't, but I also think that you are very outspoken not just with your words, but with your actions about bucking any norm that you think is pointless or stupid, regardless of what anyone else thinks. You are like, this is who I am. This is how I will act. And I don't care what anyone else says, what anyone else thinks. This is what I'm going to do. That sounds so off-putting. No, 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 not in a bad way. Not in like a asshole kind of a way. It's more, okay, so here's here's a different example. For me, I'm the kind of person that it's only very recently that I have almost allowed myself or been able to show outward resistance to things I disagree with. It's been really hard for me because growing up, that is not how I was taught was okay. And the times that I did do that um, were punished very harshly. There's... I have this very traumatic memory from third grade and I think it was the first or second day of third grade and we had to go around and stand up and read this story that we'd written on coloring paper about our summer vacation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, this is so stupid. Yeah, you know, third grade me. I stood up and when the teacher asked me to read mine, I said no. Just just no. <laughs> I don't think she knew what to do <laughs> and I don't remember what happened afterwards but I just remember that feeling of standing up and proclaiming no <laughs> and then this hot feeling of shame that just swept through my body oh, afterwards yeah and I mean that was the only formative memory that I have around that but I'm definitely the kind of person that struggles to express disagreement in any capacity and that's not a good thing you know, that's not something that helps form connections or helps get me where I want or what I want. And I think that you are mindful of what other people want, but you're not willing to compromise on your values. And I feel like that's kind of at the heart of what makes a, you know, decently functional, well-adjusted rebel at heart. You know, not someone who's <laughs> burning down buildings for no reason. That's sweet. Although I will say that if I, because I've been like this forever, and if I wasn't like this as a kid, I think I would have had a much easier time in my life. <laughs> I mean, I had a, just shit things happen that were going to happen anyway in my life, but I don't think any of it was helped by the fact that I was like this. Mm, really? Um, oh yeah, no. <laughs> no, like in very obvious ways, but like with being physically abused as a kid, I was very outspoken about things <laughs> instead of just, it led to more physical abuse. Mm -hmm. um, or there were times when I would 
if, if, if someone would say something, like my parent would say something that I didn't agree with, my brother had the response where even if he didn't agree, he would keep his mouth shut to avoid consequences. Mm -hmm. I always felt the need to fucking be like, nope, this is what I think. <laughs> and then I'd get my ass beat. <laughs> it wouldn't shut me up. I would still be like, no, this is still what I think. That's so interesting because I also used to be like that as a kid where, I mean, I repressed a lot of this, so I can't remember many specifics, but, and I also don't know how much of this is just what my parents said because I wasn't as, I wasn't as passive as they wanted me to be, but I also, like, if there was something that I thought my parents were being, you know, hypocritical or cruel about, especially towards my younger brother, I would, like, I would be out here, like, calling them on it and obviously never changed anything you know like it's not going to change yeah them. but it did it did make things a lot harder for me going forward and I feel like my core has not changed I feel like I'm very disagreeable inside but I don't know how to be disagreeable on the outside and I Does, that did that change me. as you got older I think the older I got the harder it became until just recently when I have very intentionally tried to turn that around and still it's almost like I will have agreed with something I will have already kind of erased myself before I realize it you know like someone will say something and I will mean to disagree with it and I will already have agreed to it before I realize what I've done you know yeah and I think that it's so hard because it almost feels like I don't have conscious control over it, even though I know I do. And I'm sure that if in the moment I was willing to, you know, experience and endure that awkward situation of saying, oh, my bad, I didn't mean to say that. Actually, I mean, then it would be, I probably would get better at it. But when that does happen, I just roll with it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, like, like my waxer who said that, the government could control time. And I was like, yeah, and that's how you know they can control weather. Like, I just rolled with it. Yeah. Because I already agreed before I realized what I was, like, I, before I realized that I was agreeing, before I could form that, like, conscious response of not even just disagreeing, but not agreeing. But it was already, it was already, like, we're going down here. And, you know, then she was, like, waxing my JJ, so I was like, <laughs> we'll just suffer. It's fine. <laughs> With that lady, if she's down there, I think it's okay to just give her what she, you're very vulnerable. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> give her whatever she wants to hear. <laughs> yeah, I. it's interesting that you say that. Like, Vic has also talked about, I don't want to speak for Vic, but, you know, he's talked about, in general, kind of struggle with that. And, like, for my experience doing it as an adult, I feel, like, very empowered mm. when I do it. I mean, yeah, it's not like I'm very conscious of it. It's just kind of... But then I am also very aware of the fact that, like, after the fact, dealing with more sensitive people, mm. that being very direct can seem like an attack to some people. Sure. And it's not ever my intention. Like, usually I'm not trying to, like, hurt a person. I might have very strong feelings about a thing. But I'm not trying to, like, hurt a person. And it's always very confusing to me when people think I'm going after them. I'm trying to say, don't be a rebel. <laughs> if that's what you classify as being 
rebellious. I think there's a good middle ground. Yes, for sure. Because I kind of feel like Pan's Labyrinth is pro-rebel. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) You're like, still, don't be a rebel, kid. No, (laughs) not don't don't be a rebel, but I think, I feel like I sound cocky saying this, because I don't, don't be a rebel if you're like a, like, faint at heart. Because you, you do can't get a lot the of consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a lot of backlash. You're not a very likable person to everyone, and I think that a lot of people that hold back from interacting in the world in that way, it's because they kind of do want everyone to like them, and they can be agreeable with most people. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. <laughs> Otherwise. I do, I do agree with that, and I think that's true in my case, too. There definitely is a strong feeling. I think there is, not that I want everyone to like me, but I just want to avoid the consequences of being disliked, if that distinction makes sense. I would be fine with being invisible or being thought of as totally neutral, but the discomfort that... I at least feel, and I think a lot of it is shame. There's a really strong feeling of shame that I experience when I feel that someone dislikes me or is uh, disapproving of me. And I don't know what that comes from, but it's so intense. And for me, right, I think like Carmen and like Captain Vidal, it is more beneficial for me to just give in to that rather than fight against it. Like it expends more, you know, I come out net negative almost in some ways. Because of your own feelings about it afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Like reckoning with that shame and the repeated shame that comes up every time that I remember that, every time I see this person, every time a similar interaction comes, I just, it, it just wells up and it just takes over my brain and even subconsciously i've decided that compromising like some of my some of my personality some of my views is worth avoiding that yeah i think that's where the balance is right Mm -hmm. is knowing how to differentiate between a situation where it's okay to do that and one where you should really yeah kind of like rebel against what's happening I think if there were, like, a happy medium between your approach and my approach. (laughs) (laughs) I do wish that there was some kind of pamphlet or guidebook that, you know, because everything that you read will tell you, you know, moderation and, you know, stay true to yourself, but not so true to yourself that everyone hates you. Yeah. And I wish there was just a guidebook that had scripts for every single interaction that you might have. And it'll tell you what to do, you know? It'll tell you exactly. What a juggling act, though, you know? To be able to, in each different kind of situation, like, really step back from it and be like, right, this situation calls for this thing right now. (laughs) And it's easy in hindsight, I think, to look back and and be like, yeah, I should have done this or should have done that. Is that not how you assess interactions in the moment? Um... I'm really thinking about this. <laughs> um, as in, this interaction requires me to be this kind of way right now or respond in this kind of way right now? Yeah, to get this certain outcome. Um, sometimes, yes. Sometimes, and I, I, 
it's hard to say like which one I do more often, but sometimes no. If I'm very comfortable and not comfortable because the other people are making me feel comfortable. <laughs> if something, for whatever reason, I feel very comfortable, I will default to my very, I guess what you consider like quote unquote rebellious way of interacting mm -hmm. because I'm not, I, I have a very easy time when I'm feeling that way, thinking that like everyone else is also comfortable mm. and not considering that maybe someone might be uncomfortable. I see. So you kind of default that other people might be as comfortable with you know, honesty and straightforwardness as you feel? Yeah, and comfortable with our relationship. Mm, gotcha. Where, where I feel like I can speak very freely and someone's not going to be like, oh, she's trying to offend me mm. or something, you know? Because in the reverse, like, I would not think that of... If I'm comfortable with someone, I would not think that anything... I'd just be like, oh, these are all things that are just on the table to kind of say and discuss. But then there are a lot of times where I feel like I am... And I don't know how this ties into this idea of, again, <laughs> what you're calling, like, the rebellion. Mm -hmm. And that... And I know we've talked about this before, but the idea of masking... Mm -hmm and reading other people and giving what I think needs to be given in order for things to go a certain way, which sounds super manipulative. I mean, it's, what is manipulative? Like, I, mean, I know that we've talked about this before, but I feel like manipula manipulative has such a negative connotation. Right. And on its face, it really just means doing what you can to get what you want. And of course, some things can be like, awful and should not be done yeah but I don't think that framing something as this is the technique or path that I'm going to choose to get what I want should be thought of as manipulative you know I I, I feel like <laughs> so I think I feel really strongly about it because growing up my parents always called me super manipulative like they call, they thought that I was manipulative as a baby, like a colicky baby <laughs> was manipulative. And so I think I feel so strongly that there's no way that I could have been manipulative at like 16 months old <laughs> that yeah. I think I project that strong feeling onto like other people's use of it. But I also legitimately feel like it's not wrong for people to like think intelligently about what they want and how to get that. I agree. And I, I think it's just because... And you're, you're saying it, right? Because being manipulative com has a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. But in reality, everyone's kind of being a little manipulative all the time. You have to be. I mean, yeah. if you didn't want to get along with others and so then do things to get along with others, people would hate you, you know? Yeah. So I'm very aware of that. To, to answer your question, like, yes, I, I do that. Mm -hmm. And there are times when I'm, you know, like right now, like we're doing rehearsals and I'm very aware of the fact that I want to be seen by everyone else on this cast and crew a certain way. Um, I want to be someone who has an opinion about something but isn't trying to go against anyone and I want to seem sweet and relatable <laughs> without I'm balancing the skills in a lot of ways, but I want to seem like someone who they would want to work with again. Mm. 
And this isn't all super conscious. It's not like I'm planning beforehand, like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. But it lives in the back of my mind when I'm in this space interacting with these people because I'm not going to maybe speak the same way I would in a comfortable friend conversation as I would here because I do want to appear a certain way which is not false it's not like a fake version of myself it's just a again this sounds not not positive but it is a manipulated version of myself where I'm like yes it's a curated curated, I love that a curated version of myself I'm going to let them see these parts of me which are real parts of me and I'm going to keep these other parts of me to the side because they have no value here and in the long run they're not going to help me mm-hmm. and no one needs to see that shit <laughs> so and it's not like no part of that comes out but I think it's in a very filtered sort of way mm-hmm. that I think is still digestible yeah so so I I think I do both <laughs> which sounds like moderation right because Okay, I don't know if you felt this way super strongly, but I I had a visceral reaction to this. When Carmen first arrives and Captain Vidal basically tells her to get in the wheelchair, right? Mm-hmm. And at first she says, no, I can walk. And then he tells her to, and then we don't ever see her get up from that. Yeah. And uh, I think my, my reaction, and my, almost this feeling I felt sorry for Carmen... Um, was when she checks on Ophelia in the bath after she's done the, she's gone into the tree for the toad, and she's in her wheelchair even in the bathroom, you know, even in the privacy of their own room and in the bathroom inside their own room, she still is choosing to stay in that wheelchair. You know, she's completely given all these parts over, even the even her private. You know, her private sense of self has also been given over to these ideas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that is not something that I... Not that I was upset at her, but I felt sorry for her situation. And I felt so strongly that I never want to end up that way. Yeah. Do you have... Do you have... Is there something in particular that makes you fear ending up that way? <laughs> so it's always good when it starts with a laugh <laughs> I, I think whenever I start with a laugh it's also always childhood trauma yeah <laughs> so this was also the kind of the dynamic that my parents had where the Captain B doll reminds me a lot of my dad oh my um, god I'm sorry that's awful <laughs> I mean obviously he wasn't out here like you know shooting people and stuff but the the sort of mentality and like the way that he treats the people around him and the way that he sees them as inferior and not truly possessing experiences or emotions that mm-hmm. either not possessing them or if they if he does realize that they possess them doesn't care and that was very much like the way that my dad for whatever reason chose to or had no other choice than to you know be that way and that was how he related to the people around him and my mom is definitely not um the you know extremely pious sort of nurturing figure that Carmen was portrayed as but there was a similar sort of dynamic between the two and Mm -hmm. so 
you know, my biggest fear is ending up like either of my parents. I think that's like a common feeling in general for people and feeling, fearing that they're going to end up repeating their parents' mistakes because you hear so much that, you know, you are the product of how you grew up. You are the product of, you know, what you are taught and what you are instilled with. And I'm always kind of hyper aware of the ways in which I might be falling back into patterns like my parents and Carmen was just such she symbolized all of that this really goes back to wanting to speak to a well-adjusted person it does it does <laughs> <laughs> this might be too like trauma dumpy and not about this might be too trauma dumpy and not actually about my thoughts or feelings on the movie or lighthearted anecdotes that are tangential. I thought related. this was what this podcast was about. <laughs> <laughs> we don't go to therapy anymore, and this is our weekly session. <laughs> and the vehicle is movie. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, I actually wait. I so I do kind of think that's what this. Not that it needs to be trauma dumpy, mm-hmm. but I do think this podcast is kind of more focused on us than it is necessarily exactly what the movie is about. If I okay, no, that's totally fine. Because if that's what it is, then I can embrace that. But oh, right. I mean, I think we should both know what it is. What is it? <laughs> I I don't know. I, Did I, you think this was more about the movies? No. Well. I thought it was going to be more of us just, like, shooting this shit with, like, lighthearted stories interspersed yeah. with, like, haha, here's this trauma. Not, like, oh, here's my trauma, know. you know. I think it's I think it's kind of cool. Like, even we just have a few episodes. I kind of like that we have a good mix of, even in one single episode, we, we, have, do. <laughs> we have a good mix in a single episode of, like, oh, that's pretty harsh. Yeah. To to just, like, laughing hysterically about, like, some dumb shit. And all of that still tying into the movie and still tying into who we are. And I... Those are the parts I do like about doing this. That's, I do like the balance. I think my fear is that I feel so serious right now. And I don't know why. Like, but I feel so <laughs> serious. And I feel like I'm not... I don't even know how I would get to that, like, lighthearted thing. Because I feel like I'm just, like, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's okay. I think it's okay. Okay. I like that if we're the only ones that ever really experience this podcast. That's true. We might be the only ones who ever experience it. I like that it's kind of... I like that it's been true to who we are as people and can reflect, like like, real people. That's true. And isn't, like, I feel like here we're not really trying to curate who we are necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there are things that for private reasons we're keeping out or whatever, or, like, we don't want to go into, like, specific details about certain things, but I don't think we're holding back, and I think it's a very honest portrayal of just two individual people that may or may not be like other people out there, <laughs> and that comes with, like, some days being more serious than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's like a time capsule sort of a thing. Yeah, I like it. Okay, I follow your direction. I like that. I like <laughs> yeah. being able to do that too. I like being see. I like being given the instructions, and I say yes. Those instructions. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay, so we were talking about being like your parents. Yes. 
which is perfect because there is so much genera generational trauma here and so much emphasis on like family yeah. and legacy yeah. yeah yeah I know people through like relations not like close friends mm -hmm. that seem to want to take on parts of their parents mm. and I don't know them well enough to really understand mm -hmm. <laughs> what that is I but I that. I also don't want I have like a very big fear of it and for a very long time I had a very real fear just for my mental health like being very scared of receiving any kind of diagnosis because uh, I was afraid that that said way more about me than I wanted it to in relation to whether my mom or my dad mm -hmm. usually especially my mom because I have a hard time saying my dad is a real person <laughs> Um, <laughs> I think own whole separate yeah, thing. It's <laughs> a whole separate thing. I have a really hard time seeing him, but more so with my mom because her her mental health was just like a parade. You know, it's just mm. all up in your face. You could see how fucked up it was, and it was always really scary to me that even when it came to, I think a little bit, it's what contributed to. Yeah, I had mentioned like my tics last time a little bit to why I was so embarrassed about things like that. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit to why I never wanted to tell anyone that I dealt with depression. Like even Vic for the longest, I never told him that I would just be depressed for months around him. He'd have no idea. And, you know, even like ADHD or something, like just not wanting to accept that I can have things going on and also not be my mom. Yeah, I definitely understand that the generational trauma i i think it's so it's not alienating in a bad way but it is a foreign experience to interact with people who have meaningful family relationships meaningful family rituals that they want to bring into their own life you know there are I have friends who, as they've started their own families, like they take things from their childhood. And you know, of course, yeah. no one's no one, no one is perfect. No one thinks their parents are perfect, but there are things that they want to preserve, and aspects of this family legacy that are important to them. You know, you have family heirlooms and yeah. family traditions. And I don't have any of that. I think I've told you that I have exactly one photo of my family together. I have one photo of my dad and my mom. And of course, my younger brother, I've got other photos of him. But I only have one photo of us as a family. And other than like a few scraps of paper that I've saved from my childhood, like random notes that my parents had written or just like, you know, random things that I took because it reminded me of a specific, um, specific setting or specific event, I don't really have anything and that includes rituals and traditions so I think that it's hard for me to relate to the admiration or the um like aligning yourself with your parents that you must in some way have to you know to want to continue that like Captain Vidal right and mm -hmm. he he I think that he so strongly either admires his dad, like aligns himself with his dad, you know, whatever, that he overshadows himself entirely to 
you know, almost like following his dad's footsteps. He's also a soldier. He repairs this watch so that he can pass on this, you know, this is how a brave man died, at what time, this legacy. And I think I can look at that and I can sympathize with it and I can still never really understand it. Yeah, I, I do understand it. I do and I think that I used to as a kid. I think that our relationships with our moms were very different, you mm -hmm. and I. Because mm -hmm. I think that my mom was very affectionate in a very toxic way. Mm -hmm. In a, like, I'm going to, like, whip you with a belt, and then I'm going to put you on my lap while you cry and, like, comfort you. Gotcha. So not, not a good kind of, but I did receive affection in a weird backwards way, you know? Whereas, like, mm -hmm. a kid, it's hard to separate the two. It's like, oh, yes, I was held, you know, I received, like, hugs and kisses. It was just in a very <laughs> different kind of way than, like, oh, let me just give you affection because you're my kid. But I, because of that confusion that I had, I think I, I did for a really long time admire my mom mm. and want to keep parts of her. And then it, it's more a, as an adult learning how much of my experience with her has like broken down at who I am as a person, mm -hmm. the more that I am actively rejecting her. Mm. And now I like, I don't really talk to her <laughs> or see her. It's kind of just, I don't have feelings about it that are surface level that I'm aware of. I'm sure if we like dug deep down, maybe there's something, but I've spent so much time doing the rejecting that now it's just, but also, on the flip side, I was very fortunate to have, for a short period of time in my life, to have one parent figure that I think was really positive, mm -hmm. that wasn't an actual parent. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a boyfriend of my mom's. I don't know if I've told you about him. Mm -mm. Um, so her boyfriend was definitely, is someone that like, even to this day, I, I try to keep with me and I, I wish I had more from him that mm -hmm. I could take with me and like more that I could save and cherish and like, I can't even say hand down because I don't ever see myself having kids. <laughs> also, it's so weird to be like, oh, this is your grandmother's very ex-boyfriends that you, you never met. This is like his old t-shirt. <laughs> oh, that's so like, that's so sweet. And also like that makes my heart ache a little bit. Oh, why? <laughs> I think it's just <laughs> many times when that same sort of sentiment, yeah, the, you know, you're, this passing down of sentimental meaningful objects it'll be a ring it'll be a photo album and you have a t-shirt and there's yeah. something that's very i don't know that makes my heart ache a bit <laughs> i feel a little emotional right now oh do you yeah if i the shirt's really funny it's from this bar that he used to take me he was like a regular at this bar and like he would take me to the bar sometimes mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> 
<laughs> it was like no it was really cute this is okay. not like a weird story it was, okay it was really cute because no one was weird no one's like trying to give me booze or anything but he would take me to this bar where literally everyone knew his name it was that kind of thing mm-hmm. and you know he walks in everyone's like hey you know it's this whole thing and he would take me there and the owner of the bar would have a would give me like a ziploc bag <laughs> and just like have me walk around and guys at the bar would just throw in money and like candy just like as if I were trick-or-treating at the bar on like a regular day of the week just I think it was their way of like being like sweet old men you know Uh like oh here's like a dollar buy some like you know go get yourself like something or Uh it sounds creepy me saying it right now but I promise really confused like I have a confusing mix of emotions right now (laughs) Like, on one hand, I hear you that it was not creepy and that it felt like trick-or-treating. And on the other hand, I'm thinking, I'm thinking as an outside observer, man brings small child (laughs) to bar, small child receives plastic Ziploc bag, proceeds to walk around and get money and candy from other men at this bar. Uh, And I'm just thinking... (laughs) I feel very, I feel very conflicted right now on the whole. (laughs) Well, now I like, should I be confused about? (laughs) I should I be confused about my own experiences that I like cherish? Maybe. No, 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 that's not the direction I meant to go. (laughs) The the shirt, the T-shirt, by the way, is really funny because it's from this bar, and on the back of it. Um, it says, if you drink, you die. If you don't drink, you die anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, you know, after he passed away, it was, like, the only thing I really had of his. So I would wear this t-shirt to school and get in trouble. And they'd make me, like, flip it inside. Oh. That is also the most Riley thing. And that's so sweet. That's so, like, I don't know. There's something very sincere about that kind of love. <laughs> Um, I'm being so cheesy. I feel so emotional and I don't know why. I think I'm coming off my period and I accidentally skipped a day of my birth control. So maybe that's why I'm feeling so moved. (laughs) Not that your story isn't moving, but I think I hate when I hate when the other person is more emotional than me when I'm telling a story and I feel like I'm being that person right now. I Yeah, I feel like I've told you this before, but when it comes to you, for some reason, I can never think, like, anything. Thanks. I really can't. I don't know what it is. It's the weirdest fucking thing, because I don't feel that way about most other people where they can do anything, and I won't even consider... Anyone can do anything. A tiny thing. And I'm like, gross. Gross. You're gross. <laughs> I think it's like the definitely cosmic, maybe genetic connection. I think that that's what it is. Maybe. I've just <laughs> never been turned off by anything you said or your reaction to anything or literally anything. I don't know why. <laughs> no, that's it's weird. Me. It's weird because I'm so critical. <laughs> so fucking weird but no I don't think you're doing that <laughs> okay I, I'm glad I'm glad <laughs> it's nice to talk about because in a, a no, not to like make it about this or make it overly cheesy but I did talk to a therapist about this once because it was very strange for me because he felt he felt like my dad but he's not mm-hmm. and I couldn't my real dad was alive so when he passed away I couldn't be like my dad died 
but not really like my dad's alive. So I didn't get to properly grieve after he passed away. I had to like hide that because of the kind of relationship it was. Mm. And it's always a weird thing of like not being able to tell people just what kind of hole was just created in my life and kind of just had to keep going yeah through my days you lost your like real dad right like not your bio dad your real dad yeah and like he was there from the time i was baby until like i was 12 you know and that was a very he didn't live with us Mm -hmm. but he was a very prominent piece of furniture in my life (laughs) (laughs) a prominent uh piece in your wardrobe (laughs) yes (laughs) yes um But this kind of brings me to, I did want to talk about, since we're talking about like family and stuff, did you have other people in your life growing up? Because your your parents have been and are still together. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh wow. That is a really, that is a question that like digs deep. So (laughs) I think, and I think this is part of where my very stubborn refusal to let go of being agreeable comes from but I found that basically as I grew up that I basically collected parental figures in my teachers in my friends parents and just you know random like office ladies librarians whoever I could I would act in whatever way that I thought would help me receive this parental love that I was craving so much and it it actually it became a problem with some of my friends because I would present myself in such a way that their parents would and this was this was definitely not okay of their parents to do like I'm not saying that oh this would have existed had their parents been you know, healthy, but their parents would express that they preferred me, which is so fucked up. And like, I can never imagine that, you know, it's, I, and, but at the time, because I so badly wanted this, you know, I didn't spend holidays with my parents. Like my friend's parents would get me um, Christmas gifts and birthday gifts and come to my graduation, you know? Um, and Uh, when I got my first boyfriend like he kind of filled that role of parents like he helped me with getting school supplies and getting to my part-time job after school and he I kind of community sourced uh, all of this support that I didn't get from my parents and it's such a strange feeling looking back because on one hand I recognize like how how kind that was of all these people to do for just you know some random girl like one of my friend's moms my my dad basically said that I wasn't allowed to eat the food at his house Um, my friend's mom would pack lunches for me I I felt grateful and I feel grateful for like all this like support and like care that was shown and it also feels so empty because it almost feels to me and like I think part of it is the messaging that I've gotten since I was a child that I'm like the manipulative bad child you know I was very much like the scapegoat in my family my brother was the golden child that I feel like I manipulated all of these people into caring about this false image of me right and so it's kind of like yes I did receive 
some, you know, like some affection, some care in a very kind of parental way. And it feels like that would never be shown if I did not uh, act in a certain way. Yeah, but you were a kid. And, and, and you're, <laughs> you're surviving. You know, you have survival instinct as a kid. And you're not choosing to... I think you, you were lacking a lot. And just... Uh, not in a negative way, but I'm going to say desperate. Like in a desperate attempt, trying to find it somewhere. And that was your sort of like kids need that, right? Like kids need affection. Yeah, and and like, it's it, I think it's the, it's this paradox that I feel like you see with kids that have grown up in similar situations, and I have to intellectualize it to cope with it. So, <laughs> if for me, if you ask me that about any other child, that about like, I don't want kids, but if I ever had a kid or was given responsibility of a child you know that is absolutely something that i would wholeheartedly agree with like every child deserves affection needs affection you know we aren't meant to grow up without affection Mm -hmm. you know and also (laughs) it's hard for me to think that about myself because when you are an infant you you align yourself with your parents like instinctually because you know like primate brain tells you that these are the people who are supposed to love you and take care of you and so you think of them like they're right you know like what they're saying to me what they feel about me must be right i i really internalized that like from a really young age and it was only when i was 19 that i accepted that maybe me being alive was not a sinful thing. And my first psych, when I told them that, when I told them that I felt this way, they literally were like, you know you sound crazy. (laughs) And I was like, yes, I know I sound crazy. And I also feel this way. I don't think you sound crazy, though. I I, I don't think it sounds crazy, given the circumstances. I also, what you did sounds totally normal, given the circumstances. Again, like, other kids don't, maybe don't have to scrounge for connection like that they don't have to like get it wherever they can get it but you have a real desire like every kid has a real need to connect it they're like studies done right we're like a lack of affection in a child oh my god stop i'm gonna cry no No, but it's very i don't want to make you cry no no it's okay say crying is good crying is cathartic crying is good (laughs) Orgasm for the eyes. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I just think you needed that. And I'm glad that you did that. Because I, like, who I know now, like, who you are and who I get to know, like, part of that is because you you fucking fought for it, right, as a kid. (laughs) It's great that you're, you would have been a different person without that. And I think you can't blame yourself for what you did and how you got it. Also, it does, to an extent, we were talking about like masking and how there are still parts of yourself in that you just curated a version for yourself i think there's so much to love about you like these parents were going to see it anyway regardless (laughs) (laughs) i think it's it's a bit much to give this child so much credit for being able to manipulate all these adults right and that's the thing is that i'm like there's no way that like eight, nine, twelve-year-old me was, like, actually that smart. Like, there's some mini-genius yeah. mastermind. 
And so then I feel this guilt about thinking of myself in this way. Like, oh, you think you're that smart? You think you're that good? No. <laughs> yeah. So these are the sorts of things. Like, so I think I mentioned in some episode these things that run in the back of my head that I fight. And I feel like this this specific cycle is like one of them that's really hard for me to to break. Jeez. <laughs> Rough. Oh, now I can say I've seen June cry. <laughs> oh, it's true. Wait, we were actually <laughs> full circle. <laughs> but yeah, and I don't know if you felt this, but I think part of the reason that I love and loved this movie was I I admired a lot about Ophelia and the way that she fought because. I mean, I know that I was fighting in my own way, but I didn't feel like I was fighting and don't feel like I was fighting in this way that Ophelia did, except when it came to my younger brother. And when it came to my younger brother, like, there were, like, very few things that I would not do to, like, protect him. I liked that I saw that in Ophelia, too. Wait, did I know that your brother was younger than you? How much younger is he? He's only, um, like, he's just under two years younger than me. So he's not super, like, that much younger than me. But we had this really, oh my god, this is so not about the movie. I feel so bad. <laughs> Stop. So... No, this is fine. <sighs> um, we had this weird relationship growing up because, like, you know, I was, like, the bad child and he was the good child. And my parents intentionally pitted us against each other in a lot of ways. And so we didn't really have a relationship growing up. And, like, I thought for the longest time that, like, he also hated me right and so then it was like this weird thing because like I remember one time he he didn't like do well on one specific exam and my dad was just ripping in on him and being like why are you giving up you know you're ruining your future and I just started screaming at my dad and I was like it's literally a Spanish test it's one Spanish test you aren't even looking at like all his other grades he's doing amazingly he's trying his best and my dad got so mad at me and no regrets. That is one of the times that I just like decided to take the L that I have no regrets about. That I was like, no, that wasn't an overreaction or me just being stupid. Like, I, I don't regret that at all. You rebelled for your brother. I did, yeah. So I'll, re <laughs> I'll rebel for, I think, someone else or something else. But I won't do that for me. And I don't like that about myself. Have we never talked about our brothers that much? I don't think we've explicitly talked. I think we've brought up our brothers, but yeah. not explicitly. Right, like, I'm aware that you have a brother, but I didn't really know that, and I guess I kind of just assumed you guys weren't super close, just because I guess we haven't talked about him very much. But it sounds so similar to um, what you're saying, my relationship with my brother. My mom would pit us against each other, and I think we actually did both just hate each other growing up, because you're in constant battle with one another, um, and I was also the one that was always seen as the bad kid. Even when my brother was the one that did the thing wrong and I wasn't at fault, it would yeah. I would get the blame for it and mm -hmm. my mom would believe it and I would get punished because mm -hmm. they were so used to him not being the, you know, bad kid. Mm -hmm. um, and then... Fellow scapegoats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then... 
and then as adults, like when I started going to college and we, we were in the same college then, he's, you know, about to be done with college, but we had overlap of a year. We got really close and realized that what kept us in that relationship that was filled with hatred was just being under the eyes of my mom mm. and how she was building our relationship up to be, which is like she's she had like still has this kind of relationship with her own siblings. Mm -hmm. Their mom's dead. You know, this is still just super ingrained in them to be like this. Mm -hmm. A generational trauma. I, I wonder if like maybe you feel similarly, but me and my brother I feel like are even closer than a lot of other siblings that I know because mm -hmm. of the trauma. Um like Vic when Vic first met my brother he was really confused <laughs> he like did not understand why we were so close and i think part of it is just like you go through enough shit together mm -hmm. i think that my relationship with my brother has like since becoming adult it's never gone down to the way it was when we were kids which is basically having no relationship like mm -hmm. we just didn't interact we didn't talk it was basically like we weren't siblings we still aren't super close i think I think a lot of it comes from reasons behind my decision to cut my parents off were things that my brother did not experience at all. Um, we didn't share a room. We didn't share any space. We didn't interact at all. And I think because of that, you know, my brother still has a fairly amiable relationship with my parents. Interesting. Yeah. You know, it's not that I blame him, and he's young, and all of these things, but it does... I, I think it's really just on my end. I don't think that he cares at all, or like notices how I feel about it, but it, it doesn't make me love him less, but it makes it harder to interact with him. Damn, I thought that you guys went through like, maybe a similar... I think stuff that happened with my mom, he experienced some of it, but... I don't know. I think that there was just, like, a level of, like, affection, however, like, fucked up, that I'm, sh I'm sure it was incredibly fucked up, that he got, you know, that he is, he's willing to keep contact, and I think that that separates our, like, our ultimate interpretations and our ultimate decisions, and then so it's just the baggage on my end that makes it, I think it's just, like, a lot of bad reminders that come up you know, when I'm interacting with him and he'll just bring up like what he's recently like talked to my dad about or like when he's recently seen him and I just, yeah. I, I just have to, you know, I like will redirect the conversation but I think that becomes something that reinforces this feeling of not wanting to interact a whole lot. I, I do get that. My, my brother does have a different relationship with my parents. I think he still feels like beholden to them. Mm. He still cares what they think. That's a good, I think that's exactly how my brother feels, yeah. But not because, and it sounds like similarly for your brother, not that he's unaware of things. I think there's like some stuff that he experienced, but we also did experience not the same things. Like yeah. there's some amount of, um, you have to figure out some way to be able to continue getting along with you know, your parents and my the decisions that my brother has made to do that and I don't blame him for it end up 
making me feel these ways. Yeah. Yeah, my, my brother, like, we did share room. We did experience a lot of the same. But a lot of it, too, was, like, he did get treated differently. So a lot of it was him witnessing things that were happening to me. Um, like, I got a lot more of the physical abuse, and he would, he has his whole own thing going on about it where, like, he's traumatized in a different way because he used to pretend when he would, like, see me, you know... <laughs> Uh, I don't have like a better way of saying this. When he would see like my dad doing something to me, he was coping with it and escaping in his own brain. And he used to pretend that I was having fun. And that was his way of dealing with what he was witnessing was that I was having a good time. I think because he didn't, a lot of it wasn't like firsthand for him. Mm -hmm. It's different, but he still has a lot of trauma from even having to deal with that. Yeah. But I think maybe more similar to your brother, my stepsister, my dad left that family when, you know, she was young. So she didn't have to spend as much time with her dad. Mm. And she has a very different image of who her dad is. And when I've expressed things, or like, I really don't want to hear about him, or she'll say nice things about him, and it kind of just irks me, I feel like very much not seen, you know? Yeah, that's a really, like, my entire experience is just erased like that. That's yeah. I'm saying it. And so usually I end up not even wanting to, for the sake of even my relationship with her. It, yes. Not, yeah, not go in that because mm -hmm. I know that would I value my relationship with her and I I don't need that asshole ruining that relationship too just because we have yeah. a different perspective on who he is as a person. Yeah. Okay, you said this before. It's like not on the same topic as this. We kind of left this, but it was so funny because you had mentioned how your friends' moms would kind of treat you a certain way, and I was laughing at you saying it because. That was my mom would <laughs> if, if there was any other girl she actually not because these girls were wanted that from her but she would make everyone else her daughter <laughs> that is the weirdest thing i did not i don't think you've ever shared that with me before what was that like for you uh i think traumatizing <laughs> <laughs> you're like i think maybe i have a little bit of trauma from my childhood. Yeah, i'm not sure I like i don't, don't want to assert anything but i might be a lot trauma um she used to do it with like just about everyone and she'd make it she would make it like very clear like i wasn't really the daughter that she wanted i I think she had a lot of expectations for what having a daughter would be and like who I would be and what kind of how it would fit into the image that she had of a daughter and I never fit into that. Man, what a depressing episode. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. The number of trigger warnings that we're gonna have to put in front of should just be the episode summary is just the trigger warnings. That's all we need to know coming in. <laughs> yeah, the um you know, like she used to like always comment on my appearance which was really not lovely and I think just overall just I was just not the kid that she wanted I look very different from my mom too mm. and I remember one very vivid day I I brought this this girl I don't even know her name I spent no time hanging out with her because I me and her were hanging out we went to the park my mom took us my mom sets up 
like a blanket on the floor for me to sit on. And then several feet away from us where I can't even hear them talking, she put another blanket on the floor and her and this person that I'm supposed to be hanging out with hung out the entire time chit-chatting and giggling. What did you do? You just sat there? I sat there, couldn't hear anything, just by myself, like, watching them have, like, you know, connect and bond and hang out, and I'm just sitting there by myself in silence at the park on this blanket by myself. (laughs) And she would always call like oh this is my daughter this is my daughter like about other girls and that like so many so many girls (laughs) i'm gonna be honest and obviously i cannot like psychoanalyze your mom but that almost sounds like intentional to punish you oh yeah i mean she did a lot of bizarre things to punish me (laughs) that is so messed up oh my god i i think that (laughs) <laughs> I think as much as she wanted a daughter, she, like, hated me because of her own upbringing, because of, like, her experiences. I don't know. She's very weird. I told you she would, like, I don't know if I'm going to keep this in here because this, this is pretty fucked up. Um, I don't know what kind of trigger warning we put into this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think I told you, right, that she would, like, fake seizures, and that was really just to get me... Um, to like break me down. My mom does not get seizures. She's not epileptic. <laughs> and she would, if if I was doing something that she didn't like, she would throw her body on the ground and start convulsing. And I would cry and scream and like I'd completely break down. And once she got enough from that, then she would stop and she'd get up and she'd be fine. And then, and then comfort me. and she would like do that with so many things just say she was going to kill herself and then lock herself in a room with her gun and then like I'd be banging on the door and like crying and like please don't and then if I did that enough she'd come out and be like oh it's okay don't worry like I'm not gonna so just so yeah I think you're right I think a lot of it was to punish me and I don't really understand or punish me or get an emotion out of me. I think she always wanted to get some kind of emotion out of me. Yeah. Oh my god. She's a weird lady. But when you were saying that, it's not the same. But it also reminded me of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, just... which part? I totally forgot now. No, no, just when you were saying about like your friend's moms. Oh, oh. Yeah, god. it's definitely not the same thing. But it, like, reminded me of that, how, like, everyone was my mom's daughter. And it was, like, never me. It was just anyone else. (laughs) It's fucked up. Obviously, the disclaimer that I don't have children and don't intend to have children. But, and I don't know how much having just worked with kids qualifies you to say this, but I could literally never imagine doing that. Mm. You know? And in the closest, I mean... I think of Zucchini as my daughter. I know that to yeah. some people that's not valid, but to me, she is my daughter. I would die for her. I would kill for her. And I, you know, Zucchini is not the most well-adjusted vegetable <laughs> out there. You know, she's she struggles a lot with a lot of things. And that does not make me love her any less. That does not make me want to punish her. Like, I don't punish her for these things because I know that she can't help them. And I honestly think having Zucchini and thinking about 
some of the parallels, it helped me realize how fucked up things that my parents did, you know, to punish me for just being, for just existing, you know, for just existing. There wasn't anything I did, really, you know, I just existed. And they would have found anything. And I think having zucchini and loving her helped me realize that. I would actually say the same. I think with my my babies, my fur babies, (laughs) (laughs) all of them, all four of them, (laughs) Uh, I think what you're describing maybe, because it's what I feel, and and I'm also, it's crazy, but I'm also aware of it sometimes when they do something I don't like. I'm aware sometimes of my reaction afterwards, and I'm like, wow, that was nice, you know? But not like, not like nice, like, oh, you were so nice, you could have done something else, but like, like, that's possible. You can do that. You can, to me, what it is is like compassion. I have a lot of compassion for them, where I think like, even if it was a child and they did something I didn't like, I have compassion for them though. It's not, they do something and then like, what, what's there to be upset about? I just don't even, I never get upset with these guys. They just do things and I love them so much. It's like, okay, so you did a thing. You do it again? Okay, you did it again. <laughs> I yeah. love you anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love you anyway and I have so much care for you and compassion for you that I don't need to make you feel a certain way mm-hmm. so that you could deal with this bad thing that you did. That seems stupid. Mm-hmm. But that's legitimately what parents are doing with their kids. A lot of parents are like, oh, you did this thing. Now uh, we're going to get back at you and make you feel this way so you can deal with the thing that you did. And there's no compassion there. Like, what do what do parents like that see their kids as i just i wonder why parents like that have kids having kids is a choice raising kids is a choice and for the longest time i didn't understand i I blamed myself right for my parents there were a lot of circumstances surrounding my birth that like i i understand their feelings not that they were justified and you know now looking back you did not have to have a kid and if you had a kid you did not have to raise that kid you you made that decision every single day yeah you made that decision and you also chose to act and feel these ways it's so hard for me to reconcile that i can't see the logic why have a kid then why keep a kid that you don't want yeah, I've had like a brief conversation about this with my mom. I think she struggles with things that have happened. Not like she's any different or like mm-hmm. she would do anything differently. But I think because of how strained our relationship is, she can tell something. I don't know what it is, but she feels something about the past. I know that my mom always wanted kids and she believes that she did the best that she could do. What she will say this day is that she did the best. And I don't know if that's just how she copes with Things that she remembers doing. That is what my mom would say to me. And that's exactly what she would say. Well, and that's why when you bring that up, this kind of like a little bit like the conspiracy theory thing where it's like if you don't know that it's a conspiracy and you believe it, maybe you never know if you're, you know, it's like yes. they, <laughs> they don't know any other, they're like this is just the best and they don't know that they're doing it wrong it's just all they know not a defense at all but i don't think that it's a decision they're making they just don't know like i don't think they're deciding to be shit parents see okay 
here's my thing is that I don't think that they're this is for my parents specifically obviously I don't think my parents were deciding to be shit parents because I think that they first decided that they were good parents and Oof. <laughs> so they, they decided that first and so nothing that they could do after that truly changed that way of seeing themselves and because they chose to see themselves that way first and before anything else that also absolved them of any responsibility for any of their actions I like that and I think that that might be the same for my parents. <laughs> I, again, I don't know about my dad because I don't see him as a person and I don't think he has feelings about anything. But uh, like he reminds you of Vidal a lot too in different ways though, in a very violent sort of way. But my mom, yeah, I think she decided she was a good parent. And anything she did just fell in line with her obviously being a very good parent. And if you point out that it's, you know, physical abuse is objectively a bad thing it has a label then you get the well i did the best i could because i'm a good parent doing the best things that i can do as a good parent and maybe i make mistakes because i'm human but ultimately i'm a good parent and there's a choice there you know there's a choice to protect yourself and that image that you have of yourself and so i i think i've come to a point where i understand it and i will never forgive it and some people make a different decision, and that's totally fine. And that is just my decision. Yeah. I hate when people are like, oh, you have to love your parents no matter what. Like, fuck you. I was talking to someone the other day, and they talked about how, like, if you, no matter what, you should always respect your parents. And if you don't love your parents, that is a red flag of who you are as mm-hmm. a person. <laughs> and I held my tongue because I'm the kind of person who holds my tongue. But I was just thinking about the kind of the kind of I don't want to say love because I think that some people feel that way and then later realize that they were brainwashed and there was fucked up shit that they repressed or chose to decide was okay um but I was just thinking about how different that experience must be to come to that decision about (laughs) life in general you know people in general yeah how different that like that person's experience must be I <laughs> I see it as a red flag if someone really loves their parents. <laughs> I do too. I Especially see. from like a relationship standpoint. I feel like if someone is super enmeshed with their parents, I yeah. see it as a huge red flag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like something something different is going on there than my experience, mm-hmm. but also not good. <laughs> It is so off-putting to me when someone literally cannot separate themselves because they fear their parents' judgment, right? Like, people who are like, you know, I can't even assert this fact about myself because my mom will be mad at me. You know, I can't dress this way. I can't date this person or date a person who... Date a person who dresses this way because my my parents might will judge me and judge them and I fear that so much that like I'm just going to like live by every single rule that my parents have set for me and that for me is such like that is that is a no go that is red yeah. for me I can't do that I just. I mean, yeah, they probably wouldn't date you. (laughs) 
once they find all of this shit, yeah, no, absolutely not. They'd be like, can't bring your own mom, dad. <laughs> I think a lot of it is too is that, like, I also don't think that like their parents would approve of me because I think there's this idea that, like no matter what horrific shit your parents do to you, like you should always love them. You know, because there are people who are like, yeah. My parents, like, did all, like, this is a laundry list of, like, criminal offenses. And they're, like, and they're still my parents. I disagree with that. I can't live like that. And so yeah. I think that those people would also just, you know, it's the world views just really don't work together. No. I also <laughs> don't like that. I do not like that. That's weird because it's, like, how do you, how do you measure things if, you're like, well, because this person's my parent, I will accept whatever. No. <laughs> Just no. Ain't gonna do it for me. Ain't gonna do it for me either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I also think that those people probably don't have the same kind of upbringing that maybe you or I had experienced. But I do think it's fucked up that those people... <laughs> think that it's okay to place judgment on people who do have very strained relationships with their parents who don't just love their parents no matter what man like i this is like a beyond thing though not even just family but i also hate the people that say you need to respect your elders why because you because you walked here for a little bit longer than i have (laughs) that's so stupid (laughs) i I do feel like there are certain kinds of wisdom that can only be gained with experience. And I feel like just because you are old does not mean that you have had those experiences nor gained any fucking wisdom from literally anything. Okay? Yeah. So maybe there are elder there are elders that I will respect, elders that I will choose to respect. But just because you are older than me and you still have the mentality of, like, a 10-year-old, no, I'm not going to respect that. But that has nothing to do with them being elders. You respect them because they are people that you respect. Exactly. Yeah. Which is, like, that should be the saying. Respect the people that you think are worth respecting. <laughs> <laughs> this, this lady came after me one day just, like, yelling at me. And I was like, get away from me, bitch. <laughs> and she's like... You can't talk to me like that. I'm older than you. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> and she just, her whole thing was that she was older than me. And I was, like, disrespecting her. And I'm like, you're literally yelling at me. <laughs> then die being upset. I don't know what you want me yeah. to do about it. What? They don't care that you're older. Yeah. Like, you talk to your mom like that? I would if she were also saying the same things to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. And what about it? Yeah, what about it? I don't respect my mom either. What? (laughs) Sometimes I honestly feel like it's a power thing. That they make it about this morality when it's really they just want to assert blind power. And they want you to, what's the word? Like surrender to that. And even that idea, like that knowledge that there's an element of that at play makes me just on principle rebel against it. You know? See? You got a rebel in you. Internal rebellion. Internal rebellion. (laughs) (laughs) That's still... It's something, right? It's it's something. Yeah, that's something. (laughs) Wait, this is kind of random, but do you have home movies? I don't have anything. 
I think my parents did take home movies, but I don't have any. Do you? I have a lot. Wait, we have talked about this, and you have weird ones. Have we? Yeah. Well, we have talked about this. Oh, because I might have brought it up when I was looking at them, because I probably wanted to ask about seeing yours, (laughs) which is also what's still in my mind. I can't promise this won't come up again, because I probably just want to see your home movies. (laughs) Yeah, I have weird ones. I remember when you told me that at first, and I was like, what do you mean by weird home movies? (laughs) (laughs) well and then when i'm telling you the thing about going to the bar and your reaction was not what i expected i'm like wait a minute maybe like i've had a lot of experiences that are not that like my brain has been like this was okay this was good (laughs) in an ideal world i could see that as being sweet we just don't live in that world. And so every association that I have with an older man bringing a young child to a place of, you know, adult experiences and adult rules and yeah. other older men and there's candy and money involved. <laughs> <laughs> when you say it like that but I also I don't want to take away from like the sanctity of the good memories you have because I definitely have those too that like I think other people think are not as wholesome as I think uh-huh. and I'm like I don't care like I'm gonna I choose to believe this like one good thing about my life and I want you to let me have that and like, look, this is as wholesome as it got for me, so I'm latching onto this. <laughs> Maybe someone else, yeah, they don't even need to consider an experience like this, but this was pretty wholesome for me. <laughs> I'm so, I, I kind of want to ask questions about that, and I'm a little bit afraid to. Oh no, don't be. So... Was it like they give you ones or and like where where did the money go after? <laughs> <laughs> um, they'd give me like it, okay, so it is it is pretty strange. This wasn't like a one time thing that this has happened. Did they know you? Like were there regulars that recognized you? It's really weird because I this doesn't answer your question, but um, I think they knew me. I think it was like I would go in there. He was a regular. The guys there were regulars. It was like a thing. You know, I would just go around and they would all be very excited to like give me, they would just take out their wallets and like throw money and it wasn't like, maybe it was more than a single or whatever, they would just throw my mom's boyfriend. Also, any time that I, (laughs) I'm taking my hole here for this wholesome (laughs) moment. (laughs) I think it just went into a piggy bank. I had this giant piggy bank thing where I put change. Mm -hmm. But any time, especially after him and my mom broke up, he would still see me and my brother. And he got a house someplace not too far, and he would, like, pick us up sometimes, and we would spend just, like, us and him. Like, he would take us to his house, and we would hang out with him. Like, he was our dad, you know? Like, we're just hanging out. And any time that we went, like, this was pretty regular. Any time that we went over there, he would give us $100 each. It was just money that we saved, and yeah. I think that definitely sounds more wholesome. Like, that definitely sounds like he thought of you as children figures. Is that a thing? 
Which is weird because he had kids. Oh, he had kids. Were they? He had much older children. Oh, interesting. Yeah, from like his marriage. Who did not approve of his relationship with my mom. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I was there for that interaction. <laughs> oh my god. And I would, we would like go to his place sometimes and he had this pool and his granddaughters would be there and we'd like hang out with his granddaughters and I have no idea who the fuck these kids thought that we were. <laughs> Why these little Asian kids were suddenly at their grandpa's place. <laughs> That is so, that is really wild to me because, okay, and this, this sounds cynical probably, but the idea of the whole trick-or-treating thing being just this communal act of goodwill by a bunch of grown men honestly sounds like so unbelievable to me. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be pretty wholesome. I think they were just being like nice old men and it was just like... Yeah, you know, like, give the kid a little something, you know? Yeah, no, and I, I, I totally believe you, and I feel so bad that, like, I, my emotional knee-jerk reaction <laughs> is that I don't even know how to conceive of a group of older men that are like that. Not that I'm saying they don't exist, yeah. but, like, I just, I just struggle to reckon with that, and so I think that's, like, a really amazing story that I will try to pull on when I'm losing faith in humanity. <laughs> I mean, I think even the story with my mom's boyfriend is kind of ridiculous because he owed nothing to her and they split up and he still yeah. felt some sort of attachment to us. I saw him like pretty regularly, you know, as if he was another parent. And it's weird because if it was just us and our mom or us and our dad, I would have had a very different experience because I did get a lot of I think healthy parent-child experiences from him like we did get to go to Disney as kids which my mom would not be able to afford but he would take us to Disney so it was really sweet yeah like through him we definitely got a more it's actually really cute like we were very scared kids because we're just living in fear yeah. <laughs> we're scared of everything <laughs> not very we didn't feel comfortable like you know, being sweet with our parents because you don't know what's going to happen. And there are two home movies. <laughs> One of me and him at the beach, and I think my mom is recording him. And he's just standing there <clears throat> in front of the water. And I just walk up to him and grab his hand, and I'm just holding his hand. That's all we're doing. We're just standing there looking at the water and holding hands. Something I would have never thought to do with my dad or even my mom. And then there's one of my brother, which is even sweeter. It makes me cry anytime I see it because we're like feeding seagulls at, again at the beach. I think he liked the beach a lot. <laughs> we're like feeding birds and my brother, me and him are standing. We're like really excited feeding the birds. And then he just... My brother just plops on his lap. He just sits on his lap real comfy, like it's a good spot to sit on. You know? Just like super casual, no fear, just like, just like, this is my person and I'm gonna sit right here. You know? <laughs> so, so it's just like, I don't know. I, I think it is, it's like weirdly, it's a weird relationship and it was weirdly wholesome and I think we got a lot from it that we wouldn't have gotten to experience otherwise. Yeah, that sounds so amazing, you know, that like, this is the, like, kind of goodness that humanity is capable of that I, 
I need to be more exposed. <laughs> I've not seen it since then. Oh, no. <laughs> well, and there were also bad things, you know. It's not like it was all... He was never bad to us, but, like, you know, we'd see him and my mom really going at it, like, fighting and... Where she would try to get physical with him, not, not really the other way around, but, like, we'd be cowering in fear, you know, in the corner. Because they're, like... Like, he would definitely retaliate a little bit if she was, like, throwing stuff at him. He would, like, try to defend and, like, you know... To us, he was, like, a very decent human. That's really sweet. That is really sweet. <laughs> so... No, the guys at the bar weren't paying me for something weird. <laughs> Do you think he might have felt like knowing your financial situation that he he wanted you to experience this and get like you know a little something for yourself? So I have always thought that about anyone who treated me and my brother any kind of way growing up. Not not when it was happening. Um, but looking back on things, there was like this aunt that we had, not blood, but married to one of my, whatever, my cousin's wife, <laughs> couldn't have kids of her own, and she would take me and my brother out sometimes and like take us shopping. And then one of my other cousins would like, if we were going to a family event, I remember one time he like texted me to offer to buy me a dress so that I could wear to the family event because everyone was going to be dressed up. And none of those things stood out to me at the time. But afterwards, I've always thought, like, did people treat us this way because they were aware of our situation? Mm -hmm. Then it does make me feel kind of bad thinking about it in that way. Like, maybe it wasn't because they really cared about us, but it was a self-serving thing. I can I can see that. I could also see it being because they cared about you, and I, I feel like it could also be both. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, but then it feels like charity. <laughs> <laughs> Which I do I do end up thinking about that, like where we just yeah, like little charity cases were Yeah, I mean I totally understand that. I also feel like I mean there are so many children out there who are in need and I feel like there are any number of charity cases he could have chosen from or like the, the people that I relied on that have chosen from. And I guess of all the charity cases, for whatever reason, <laughs> even if it was for self-serving purposes, I, I also don't have like as much of an emotional attachment. So I think it's like a lot different for me to think of it as being charity. I mean, mm -hmm. like I feel like it's going like above and beyond for just yeah. like a feeling of gratification. Yeah, I don't think so much that for him it was charity. Mm -hmm. I think he actually did really love us, but I do think sometimes some of the other people, like, I don't know if it was a charity thing or what. I mean, it could have, even with even with my mom's boyfriend, maybe it could have started as charity, mm -hmm. you know? And then kind of ended with him actually having, like, feelings, like, real feelings for me and my brother. Because it's just, it was very genuine. The, you know, even, like, the home movies that I'm telling you about her, like, he would let me drawn his entire face with makeup and like put pigtails in his hair and like make him look like a fucking clown and just sit there for like an hour or two and let me do that just put up with it not fuss just so i could have fun you know not anything that i would be able to do with my dad who should supposedly like love me you know so i don't know i feel like that has to be 
of love. At least that's what I would like to think. That's not charity. That sounds like love. That sounds like love. That sounds like love, right? Yeah, I'm going to accept that as well. I don't know if I'm the best person to ask, but I think if... I think in your shoes, and like from my perspective, like that is cool. I've been loved. I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> You've been loved in a way that did not fuck up your idea of love more, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah, it was weird because it was happening at the same time while I was receiving very fucked up love. <laughs> And actually, for yeah, just bring everything back to the movie. My relationship with him was very escapist for me. I got to be a different kind of kid, especially when my mom, when they were split up, mm-hmm. and my mom wasn't around. My brother and I felt so much freer around him. Like we could express ourselves and just kind of be silly. Be children. Yeah, be be children. Yeah, and that was very escapist. And then you'd have to go back home. So <laughs> that's how I feel about school, right? So there's a lot about my childhood that I don't remember about my home life, but I remember a lot about school because I loved school. My <laughs> teachers loved me and I loved being like, you know, not that they loved me more than they loved any other student, but that mm-hmm. was more affection than I ever received, you know? Yeah. And I loved that feeling. I loved going to school. I loved the like, rush that I would get when like my teacher would write good job on my like test because I got a good grade you know like that was like that was (laughs) you know like this like hit for me every single time when I was a kid because I I was really good at school and because of the punishments that I would get at home if I was not good at school I was I made sure I was really good at school it was this different reality you know like I didn't get in trouble for doing anything and you know, everything was so, so nice. It was just like this little like palace kingdom to me. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it was just like there were coloring books and crayons and people were nice. And, you know, I mean, I was a super awkward kid. I didn't have any friends. It wasn't like, it wasn't like I was this like social butterfly beloved by my classmates or anything, but it was just such a stark contrast from being at home that I remember this the feeling of dread every single day, you know, when I would pack my backpack and you know, go out you know, to leave school and there'd just be this feeling of dread. That's really cute. <laughs> I mean not not the feeling of dread afterwards or like why you liked school so much, but the fact that you had a place like that. Did you feel like because hearing you talk about some of your teachers And even how good you were at school. Did you feel like at any point, these are two questions. (laughs) One, like you were seeking out like a mom or something in every adult that you met. And then two, like you were very good at school, not just because you would have gotten in trouble at home for it, but because it, it got you that validation from people at school. It was re- it got really difficult for me to like keep myself in check because I would end up calling like each of my parents each of my teachers like mom or dad, and I think of them as my mom or dad. And like Aww. you know like when kids do that, you get like made fun of, right? And so I was like, but it would slip out sometimes, right? And then it was always sad at the end of the year, and 
I think I think I felt a little bit of sadness but mostly I would just feel this like anxious anticipation of like okay my next parental figure when am I gonna like you know slot that in and there definitely was a lot of um, like going above and beyond about things because I felt like it would make my my teachers approve of me more I um, my mom used to because I cared a lot about again getting like certain validation uh-huh. for stuff I did at school not because my mom cared how I did at school she didn't really care um, she she was just thrilled that we were in school. <laughs> She's so dumb. <laughs> she she would regularly punish me by telling me I couldn't do my homework. That I would be miserable. <laughs> be so miserable. She'd be like, "You're going to bed. You're not allowed to do your homework, and you're gonna have to deal with your teacher tomorrow and tell her you didn't do your homework." <laughs> but it's like I wouldn't go to sleep. I would just lay in bed. And not sleep, just, like, lay there and, like, have all this anxiety about not being able to do my homework and, like, thinking about my homework and thinking about the next day and my teacher's reaction. And (laughs) it's so so messed up that I wanted to do my homework and could not do my homework. (laughs) So my parents never did that with homework, but they did do that about, like, the mandatory, like, signing your grades so that you you, your parents... Did did your school not do that? No, I know what you mean, but what do you mean? Your parents wouldn't sign it? They wouldn't sign it if I did something they didn't like because... And, no, it's the same thing as, as what you're saying. They would... They would intentionally not sign it knowing that I would get in trouble so that I would get in trouble. Oh, yeah, that's fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of mind games were our parents playing? This must be why we ended up, like, thinking about socializing and, like, interacting as humans the way we do. Because our brains are just, like, all fucked up in terms of, like, how to relate to humans. We are yeah. we are on this different plane, this like <laughs> inferior fucked up plane. I mean, everyone else is over here, you know, enjoying themselves overall, maybe hopefully, and we're over here like some fucked up mind games that eight year old us had to like piece together. I mean, our parents were playing like emotional and like social chess with us, and we didn't even know how to get started. <laughs> so fucked up to make your kid realize. I don't know. People shouldn't be making their kids realize anything. <laughs> kids should be free to go about not realizing things. I like, I don't like, I, I prefer for Zucchini not to realize things. Sometimes, so, she's, she's a big puppy, right? She's like 60-ish pounds. And sometimes she'll step right on my tummy or like, like right, on, right on my uterus. And it will hurt so bad. And I will pretend that I'm not in pain because I don't want her to feel guilty. I do the same, do the same thing. thing. I do like if one of if I can help it when I can help it. Yes. Because sometimes cat scratches can really hurt. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes if one of my kitties like scratches me, it'll be pretty bad, and I can't help but like pull away. But I I'll try my hardest to not make it seem like I'm in pain. But usually if I can help it and they hurt me, I'll just be I'll start talking real sweet to them. <laughs> I do that too, like, oh, well, how do you like? Yeah. 
much pain. I'm like, oh, you little baby. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. Well, I think that's about what we have left in us for today. <laughs> <laughs> Ending on a light note. <laughs> and next week. Next week. Take it away, Ryan. Next week, we're going to watch Everywhere. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. Next week, we're going to watch Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, ever heard of it? It's a good <laughs> Come chat. We won't cry. We won't cry. Well, I won't cry. <laughs> Ryan won't cry. <laughs> I didn't cry, so maybe I'll cry. I will feel none of my feelings. (laughs) Okay, we'll see you next week. Right now, it is before the holidays. And by the time you listen to this, it'll be after the holidays. (laughs) We We will see you next week. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Bye.